You guys, today is the day that it happened. <laughs> I got my first pumpkin coffee from Dunkin' Donuts! Oh, gosh. Oh, you guys, oh, hold Lord. on, let me get a sippy. <laughs> hold on. Mm. Her name is now suddenly Karen. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally mother's milk. The pumpkin spice coffee from Dunkin' is my absolute favorite thing in the entire world. I also got, because, you know, I went full hog. So I got. You went full hog. A pumpkin muffin. What? They have them? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought that, so. I thought that there was only going to be like a rollout. Cause so the thing would st like no, not to cut you off, Jim, but like the thing <laughs> to like. <laughs> I'm sorry, I always do that. I'm so sorry. Um, I enjoy your enthusiasm. It's just so much joy around pumpkin. Starbucks rolls them out in waves, so mm -hmm. you only can get the drink, and then you have to get like the donut and all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's all out. I got the apple cider donut. I got the pumpkin oh. donut. No, you did not. The, the pumpkin once? muffin. And I got a maple bacon breakfast croissant sandwich. What? I wow. actually skipped breakfast <laughs> so that I wouldn't feel so guilty about the afternoon. Oh, <laughs> and I got a pumpkin spice latte. And I got a pumpkin coffee. And Because I knew that I would save the coffee for tonight while I was talking to you guys. So, and you guys, I have to say, they've changed the pumpkin. Which, you, if Duncan thought they could change their signature pumpkin sauce and not have me notice they are sorely mistaken. <laughs> it tastes more like Starbucks now. It's a little more nutty. Oh. It's less sweet. It's really great. Oh, gosh. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the pumpkin spice thing. Aren't we over it, though? Seriously. No. No. And no, that, no. Don't, nope. don't you think that's a bit of a white girl nope. thing? Nope. To be honest. The last day on the podcast. You, Jonathan, shut up. Yeah. Call shut me, Becky. <laughs> Call me, Becky, honey. As my I, fiance would say, that's some white people shit. Right yeah, now. it is. And I am that black person who loves that one white people thing. I love <laughs> pumpkin spice. Mm -hmm. I love oh, it. And if you do it with like, so for those of you who are not a Dunkin' fan, like, I'm, I mean, I, I, she's cute, but she's not Starbucks. <laughs> Um, and so I go to Starbucks and I do pumpkin there. And if you mm -hmm. do it with a chai, with an ad shot, it will give you everything you need to get you through this pandemic. That's it right. It doesn't even I taste like pumpkin. Coffee bean. It doesn't taste you know? like pumpkin. Mm -hmm. But no you want to know, flavor. there is seriously somebody who does not like the pumpkin situation. It's my endocrinologist. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Damn, like, no, no. Oh, Jim. No oh, perfection Jim. cannot it's... be found at the Dunkin' Donuts. Jim, right now, you are a cream-filled puffy donut. But if you are more perfect with your sugars, you could be a piece of skinny maple bacon. <laughs> Jim, I you hate... know, it's that time of year again, Jim. I just we, hate we when people use perfect. carbohydrates to hurt my feelings. How yes. dare you? <laughs> How dare you? <sighs> oh, my God. Oh. I will put the, you put your maple bacon in a fluffy croissant. It sounds like a grinder ad. Anyway. You know what? How you doing? <laughs> All right, y'all. Let's have ourselves a podcast. Truth be told, I always wanted to host The View, but I don't exactly meet the lady requirement. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get my friends together and we're going to start a podcast. 
Hello, I am Jim Lanahan, and these are my friends. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back. It's the end of August. I can't believe how fast time flies when you're in pandemic. Ag, 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 ag. <laughs> Let's do a really quick around the room because we have so much to get to today. First, we have everybody in Los Angeles, Christine Sinecourt, Dr. John Paul Higgins, Scott Sheldon, and from a live remote studio in a faraway nook in Los Angeles, PSL producer Stephanie Lappin. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so as I said, <laughs> we absolutely have a ton to get to today. So I'm kind of rushing a little bit, and you'll understand why. You're Russian? You know what you can do? Russian. You can go ahead and call me a fat kid, Scott, because mama needs a nosh. Yeah, you got that yum, to Taco Bell. I'm on an all-carb diet. God, Karen, you are so stupid. Stephanie, what do we got today? So we've got what is called a banderia. And it is a tamarind fruit candy with salt and chili. Um, my friend Gloria turned me on to this particular brand. Now, some of you may have had these with a michelada, or you might be, um, my family is Persian on my cousin's side, and they eat a lot of like tamarind or sweet and sour, like Persian candy. And then I introduced them to this, and they were like, woo! So you can spin it in your beer, you know, if you like that kind of michelada flavor. But just say, Wait, if you. First of all, there's a straw in the middle of this candy. Correct. So Correct. is this a straw or a candy? Is this a utensil or a treat? Treat. Oh my gosh! Okay. Because kind of, it's would, kind of like your licorice. What you would Jimmy. do is you would um, stir it like this, and then don't forget there's a big nubbin right there. So I like to sometimes dip it in my beverage, or I but or just so just take a little nubbin. I think this might be too hot for Jim. Doesn't look like it. <laughs> you know, Stephanie, in all in all. Hey. You know, I took one of these last week and I stuck it in my uh, ice water and I let it dissolve in my ice water. Oh, God. And it was absolutely delicious. Right? Yeah. I was going to say, I thought your ice water turned into hell because it's hot. <laughs> it needs to be diluted. It needs to be diluted. Well, that's why you dip it. In, but my family eats it straight from the straw. So, <laughs> Not I said the no. cat. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, so, yeah, but the, we love the spicy, sweet tamarind kind of. I think I can see sweat pouring out of <laughs> Jimmy's forehead. Oh, honestly, I, I am with, me and Jim are the same person because no. What? <laughs> I am sweating in places that I, I did not even get sun there today. Sorry. <laughs> Trust I mean, me. The thing about it. it is that it's not, not delicious. Like the flavor's good. It's just so spicy. That you know? chili will get you on the backside. 
It's not. It's not that spicy. Come on. <laughs> you could also lick it, Jim. You know how to do that. Yeah. I'm gonna oh. go back. Okay. Look, you keep eating it though. Oh, I really don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> you keep eating it. No. Oh, and just so everybody knows, it's kind of like, it's kind of got the consistency of a very thick jam shoved yes. around a straw and then rolled in hellfire sprinkled. But you keep eating it. Bitch, it's not in my hand right now, is it? It is not near me. I am not eating it. For the people at home who can't see me, I'm not eating it. Stephanie is creating a narrative like a Republican right now. <laughs> it's kind of like a um, a very natural fruit roll up with a little spice yeah, on the end of it, with like with a little bit of Satan's tears wrapped around <laughs> in this hot. <laughs> Seriously, I think I, my butthole is hot. Like, I don't know how that happened already. That's not the first time you've heard that. Jimmy. Well, <laughs> you could you could probably use this as a windy. I'd imagine with the straw on this. <laughs> Oh my poor god. Baby. Call the Windy people. We've got a new idea. Oh my god, that poor baby. Oh the my adult god. Windy. I think I'm literal. Like, I think my throat just closed up a little bit. <clears throat> it's really hard for me right now. It's not mm. that bad. Well, thank you, Stephanie. What a treat. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else liked it except you and John. Uh, so that I'm is the only day I didn't like it, sis. I said it's hot, and that's <laughs> and we have been friends long enough for you to know what hot means for me. So, <laughs> oh God. Um, oh. So that's a banderia from <laughs> all in your ice water. Band Trust me. Hell, that's what that is. Delicious. hell. Oh. Okay, that's crazy. Okay, um, <laughs> let's, um, in the interest of time, because we're running a little late, we have somebody waiting for us. So um, we have to officially start the show by letting everybody know some bad news, of course. <clears throat> I can barely carry on right now. Uh -oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Remember that time Stephanie sabotaged the show? Um, uh, we have some bad news. I got word this morning from Jennifer Holiday that somebody in her close circle of friends passed away. It's somebody she's worked with a long time. So she apologizes, but she needs to reschedule with us. And of course, we love Jennifer Holiday. So we sent her all the best. I told her, take as much time as you need. We're sending you our love and our support, and we will reschedule you. So we pivoted, uh, something we've gotten really good at, unfortunately, during pandemic. We pivoted and um, put out a net to our network, and John actually called a friend, and they agreed to be on the podcast. And in, this mi in my mind... This person is a little bit, my mouth is so on fire right now. My throat is burning. <laughs> Stephanie, you cannot give the people who have to talk for an hour something that's going to make their, I'm literally in anaphylactic shock, Stephanie. Congratulations. Have a little milk. <clears throat> 
Seriously, talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to have a sip of this coffee. Have some of that coffee. I see DJ P eating it, Pumpkin though. spice. Like, he's eating that. Which doesn't taste like pumpkin. Because I'm a fat person who enjoys treats. <laughs> and so you can't place a treat in front of me and me not eat it. I'm going to die eating it, but I'm going to eat it. By the way, John, you you look great. And I've been following your uh, exercise pictures oh, on Instagram. And I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you. I'm so hungry. <laughs> that's why he can't stop eating that devil penis stick that stephanie gave us satan's your all right so uh I, as i was saying the person that john called and is on our show today is an absolute legend in my mind so when i moved to new york city it was fall of 1996 I was a young gal, right? I was there for grad school. I was 20-something years old. I was just figuring out, like, gay culture, gay life. I used to read all of the publications that you would get at the gay bars at the end of the night. Uh, the, you know, the interwebs were brand new at the time. I would be searching for things online. I was literally soaking up all that New York had in 1996 and um that included going out to the bars for the first time as a young adult that included kind of experiencing drag culture for the first time as a young adult and at that time everyone knew who rupaul was but rupaul had already gotten a little bit famous with her song and she was actually a dj in new york city at the time doing a morning drive show with michelle visage so rue was not relying on performing for her income and there were these other queens. And in my mind, they were superhero queens. I, I can tell you exactly who they are by, by memory. Like, I didn't have to look this up today to get ready. Because when I would see them out at the bars, I would gasp and pull my friend's sleeves and be like, you guys, you guys, right there is Joey Arias. I see Joey Arias right there. And, like, we had just seen Joey's show downtown a few weeks before. These queens were so talented. These queens were, you know, I come from Broadway. I'm used to triple threats. These queens were singing. They were acting. They weren't lip syncing everything. They were, they were hustling. They were creating their own opportunities. And let's face it, it's not 2020 drag culture. They were setting that culture for the queens now to step into. I just have such respect for them. Um, here's some of the names. Joey Arias, like I said, Jackie B. Hedda Lettuce, Sherry Vine, Lady Bunny, and then the one that was my personal favorite for a few reasons, which we'll talk about in a moment, Coco Peru. So imagine my full gay panic today when John said to me, oh, I know Coco Peru. Let me get her on the podcast. And I literally, that was the first anaphylactic shock I had today before Stephanie tried to poison me with that candy. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to officially welcome to the podcast, Coco Perot! Wow, thank you for that introduction. I mean every word, Coco. I, to me, you are absolutely a legend. I'm not kidding. And I have seen you live, and I've seen you in movies, and it's just, I'm so thankful you're here. And, and thanks for helping us on short notice because of the cancellation. And the first thing I have to say is, is this your birthday week? Are you having a birthday? On Thursday, I'll be 55. Oh, happy birthday! That's amazing. I love it. I remember, 
I remember the 90s and being young once and <laughs> hustling through the streets of New York, bar hopping, trying to sell my show, spray painting the sidewalks with my little logo and pretending you know, it was completely legal. Um, I'm glad you bring it up because for me, being in New York on September 11th, that was a moment in time personally there's pre 9-11 and post 9-11 in new york city a lot of things changed and pre 9-11 new york very much felt like my playground after 9-11 things started tightening up and the bars started closing and those were the bloomberg years did you did you you know one of my questions was when you had your first show downtown, it was called Miss Coco Peru in my goddamn cabaret. I love that. <laughs> um, how, how was it at that time to try to mount a drag-inspired show in New York City in the early 90s? What difficulties did you have? Because you really were one of the first one to mount a show like that, I think. It was, um, it was personally uh, so liberating and um, it, it was a calling that I had to do drag, so there was nothing that was going to stop me. I mean, I wish I had some of that spunk now, because um, back then I was just so bold. And um, I think that that's what I try to inspire young people nowadays, is to be bold with their choices and to take that leap of faith. So, Because once I took that leap of faith, uh, everything just started falling into place. So that gave me the sensation that I had made the right choice because I had never done drag before. And I booked my show three months before I ever did drag and before I even had it written. So um, the other thing I was trying to um, instill in young people is to set deadlines. You know, if they're the type of people that don't um, manifest things just by talking about, sometimes a deadline is what really gives you the, you know, to have that goal. So um, it was pretty easy to, to mount the show. It was all like personal stuff that made it challenging. But, you know, they gave me the venue rent-free. You know, they made their money off of splitting the ticket sale. And then um, I think because I was doing something that was new in the world of drag, it caught on pretty quickly. You know, I was talking about AIDS. I was talking about the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church. I was talking about growing up gay in the Bronx. And so um, people had never really at that time seen a drag queen that talked. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Charles mm -hmm. Bush, but that was a different sort of uh, theater experience. Yeah. I love that you said it was a calling. I took a leap of faith. I mean, that is it, it, that alone is so inspirational. A lot of people are really afraid to take the leap of faith and trust themselves. Because we are, I always say this um, in my day job and, and I'm a life coach, we are our own toolbox, right? You have to put the right tools in the toolbox so that you can face any challenge. And you booked a theater before you had a show. That's ballsy. So how did you take stock in yourself and convince that theater owner to give you a chance? Well, I had already done a cabaret show as myself years before that. And so I just called and I think because I believed in what I, I was on a mission. 
And this sounds corny, but my mission statement, even before that was a popular thing, was I was going to change the world and make it easier for young LGBT people so they wouldn't have to go through what I went through. And that was my goal. I also wanted to have a voice, and I had gone to an ACT UP meeting, and at the time I was too immature to take on all that rage, probably because I had so much rage inside of myself, but um, I redirected my voice and my rage into storytelling because I knew that storytelling is often the key to getting people to understand who you are so that what I was wearing and the way I was presenting myself to the audience ultimately was not the point of the show. The point of the show was the story, the spoken word, and that we're all connected and we're all looking for the same things, self-acceptance, self-expression, love, all of it. So I, I, that was my goal. And um, nowadays when I get caught up in the craziness of, you know, oh, I should have made more money on that show, you know, whatever it is, my husband is here to say, oh, wait a minute, why did you create Coco? And then I think, oh, that's right, because I wanted to change the world and make it, so it puts me right back at that foundation. And I think that's what uh, people need if they're going to be in this business, is that strong foundation. And often I always tell people that if they want if they make their goals bigger than their fears and also bigger than themselves, then um, th that's a, that can inspire you to keep pushing forward through those moments when you're feeling insecure. I love that. I love that. And I agree, um, you know, mission-based work will push you forward every time. But if you go out there just to make the money or just to become famous, usually you fall on your face. I've seen that a lot yeah. in this industry. Um, if I may, Jim, I just wanted to say that it's I interesting. Know. Hi, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it seems that a lot of our guests and a lot of our themes have, uh, the, you know, of these wonderful famous people who have changed quite a bit of the world is that they, they, they leap and then they figure it out. And it seems uh, as a, a, a running theme in the, these people who have, like yourself, Coco, who have changed the world where, you know, you booked it not knowing what you were going to do yet, but you did it. And uh, I think that's a, a really good theme and a really good uh, teaching lesson for everybody who really wants mm -hmm. to get somewhere and change and change mm -hmm. the world. Just one correction, Scott. I'm not famous. I'm a proud low-end celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're famous to me, so that's all that matters. <laughs> oh, you are. You are. Uh, in my head, you are a legend, honestly, Coco. I. One um, of my. By the way, Jim, one of my early shows was called "A Legend in Progress." So it's funny that you're mm. calling me a legend. So um, I guess I always kind of wanted to be legendary. Um, and I just thought that title was funny. Well, you you are, and here's and here's why. Um, you've been in a bazillion movies and TV shows that everybody will know. I'll just list a few. Trick, which I have to talk to you about. Trick, Tu Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Julie Newmar, Will and Grace, 
my mom today, who's 72, by the way, said, I know her from Will and Grace. I mean, <laughs> hello, Arrested Development, How I Met Your Mothers. It, it goes on and on and on. And um, by the way, is there a project you're most recognized for, Coco, where someone walks up to you and delivers a line back to you? Mostly. Nowadays, it's from my YouTube videos. But there have been times when I've been on, like there was one time I was on a cruise and this woman came up to me and was like, Coco Peru, oh my God, I love you. And she went on and on and on. And then I was like, how do you know me? And it was, she had seen me on Arrested Development, which was literally tense, you know, maybe a 30, 30 seconds or a minute long scene. So that's the power of television, but mostly my videos. Well, it's the power of you too. I mean, when I'm out with my girls, and when I say girls, I mean my gays, we're still telling each other that it burns, Gabriel. Like, that will never die. And that's the power of you. You were so brilliant in trick, you know? So it's the combination, but it's, it's as they say in this business, right time, right place. But also, you deliver, lady. It is so good when you are on, you know? Um, and, and something else that comes to mind today as I was thinking about talking to you is that when Bianca Del Rio kind of came to fame in Drag Race, I would often tell my friend Sam, she's a huge Drag Race fan, that Bianca reminds me a lot of Coco Peru. Like, to me, I was like, is that, is that maybe like her drag daughter or something? And then almost like, you know, <laughs> almost like I manifested the moment. I saw on your Instagram about, I don't even know, a year later, you put on your Instagram something like, Bianca was the drag daughter I always wanted to abort. <laughs> and so, listen, I don't use legend lightly because in my mind, as I said earlier, you all in your kind of <clears throat> stratosphere in the 90s in New York really kind of set up the foundation for the New York Queens today. Um, so have you ever gotten a fun moment? Like, has Bianca ever said to you, I know, I can only imagine, I can't imagine Bianca being polite to anybody, but has anybody like Bianca said to you, no, really, Coco, like, thank you for paving the way and thank you for everything you did because you helped us today acquire this level of status in the yes. industry and in the culture. Yes, a lot of the young queens say that to me, and it makes me so happy to hear them say that. I really, I love it. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure Bianca ever said it, but I know she, <laughs> I know she loves me, and um, and she's going to be my guest this week on my little Casa Coco. So, um, yeah. So I, I have had many a queen, Trixie and Katya, and so many of the girls from that. Rue's show that's have said that to me and um I'm always floored I'm like really you know they know who I am but uh, yeah if Rue ever did a legends season had a lettuce sherry vine Coco Peru would you be into it because I'm not really I'm not into competitions but um I probably I probably would do it because I would just have so much fun mm -hmm. with you know my drag sisters you know right. I've gone out on tour with some of those people you're mentioning and you know it's just nonstop laughter and you know the great thing is is that 
people always imagine that we're so bitchy to each other. And we really, um, the only reason, I think we see bitchiness and that sort of reading each other um, as a form of intimacy. I mean, I don't do that with people I don't really love. So it, to me, it's just a form of um, like this great sisterhood I have with all of them. You know who's the queen of that is Jackie Beat. The meaner she is to you, the, the more you know she loves you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, she once said that uh, years ago, I did an, an event with her and um, she was there and she came up to me. She said, I saw girls would be girls. I hate you. And she walked away and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and I found out years later that when she says, I hate you, that means she's jealous. <laughs> and that's so much yeah, yeah so brilliant i love her okay so here's a story that is legendary in my friend circle uh -oh. um so in 1999 does it does it revolve around a dark room in the early 90s <laughs> <laughs> Not this story, but I have those. Yeah. Does it involve the downstairs area at Splash Bar in Chelsea? Um, so you made a movie called Trick in 99. And the movie was so, so much fun. I loved it. I saw the movie six times in the theater. I used to be a Broadway performer and I used to audition for Broadway shows. And Coco, I actually sang in the style of Tori at one point, and tell you tonight it's showtime, and only certain gays will understand that reference. I know you do. Like, I loved Trick so much. So, long story short. Too late. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's always long story longer. With that's, a, that's a joke. I'm, that's a form of intimacy. <laughs> In that movie, you and Tori Spelling had very similar hairstyles. And... I was living in Astoria, Queens at the time with a model who was new to New York. She had just signed with a new agency and they sent her to one of these she-she Upper East Side hair salons for a cut and a color. And when she went in, she had brown kind of wavy hair down to the shoulders. And when she came out, she had pin straight red hair with bangs. And after the appointment, the agent said, come back because we want to get some Polaroids of you with your new hairdo. And by the way, that tells you how old I am because Polaroids, not cell phones. So she walks into her agent's office with her red hair and her bangs. And her agent says, oh my God, girl, your hair looks great. And my roommate said, do you think I look like Tori Spelling from that movie Trick? And her agent responded, no, darling, you look like Coco Peru, much, much more chic than Tori Spelling ever could be. <laughs> True story. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, of course, had that hairstyle long before Tori showed up on the scene and she had auditioned for the movie with blonde hair and then her... Um, she showed up to New York to film the movie with that reddish hair. And so they had talked about dyeing it uh, back to the blondes. And her hairdresser said, do not touch her hair because it had been chemically treated. 
this is my understanding, so many times he was afraid it would break. So they left it the red. And people thought that was intentional, but it was just a, a big mistake. And we never had a scene together, so the director didn't even really notice it. That's hilarious. I wondered if it was intentional, so that's, yeah. I love that. Now, your brand, of course, though, is so signature Coco, like that hair, the eyes, the way you do your makeup, like the brand is so recognizable. Did somebody inspire your look back in the day? Because what I love about you is you don't really waver from it. Like I know when I see Coco Peru, I know exactly what I'm going to get. And I I've think that's smart. I've tried to waver, but my fans go crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've had fans cry at my one show where I wore a short wig. Uh, so then I realized that I would, at least for the meet and greet, have to wear the old wig so they could get a photo with the cocoa that they wanted to post, you know. <laughs> but um, I was drawn to silhouettes from when I was very young. I loved Barbara Streisand's albums. I loved her big uh, nose. I just thought it was so beautiful. And I was drawn to Liza Minnelli's look. Uh, later in the 80s, Klaus Nami. They all had very specific silhouettes that were recognizable. So I was always drawn to that. And when I discovered the, that flip wig, it reminded me of that girl, which I also never loved the show as a kid because she didn't have magic powers, but I loved the logo as a kid. So, um, it just became a natural thing. And at the time in, in the 90s, a lot of drag queens were very clownish and over the top. And I decided I wanted to do the opposite. So um, I didn't wear a lot of jewelry. I didn't wear a lot of sparkle. And um, I just, less was more. And the focus was going to be on the spoken word, basically. I love it. I and love I loved, it. I actually, and you being in theater, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. When the spotlight hit me, I loved the, sh like when people took any photos, I loved the shadow that was created in that circle of light behind me. That to me was just as important <laughs> as mm -hmm. everything else going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I understand it entirely. I work, um, currently I'm working with Sasha Valore in my day job and talk about someone who looks at every piece of the image, every part of that image tying into a brand and she'll tweak the littlest thing and it has the biggest impact to her fans and they absolutely notice every little detail. So of course, wow. of course, Coco fans notice that, you know, and they're going to be the first ones to say to you like, no, 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 I liked it better this way. Yeah. And, um, and even you just wearing dresses, like from Ross, not for shows, but like in the videos and whatnot. And me just acknowledging that this is a cheap dress, you know, and I love a bargain. That all became part of the character as I got older and young people started to see me as like that kooky aunt or, you know. So I kind of have always embraced what my fans were thinking. My husband was very worried about me talking about my age. And I just, I knew that young people prefer truth over uh, me trying to be anything else but what I am. 
even my makeup, you know, I've, ha I've, I've read a couple of things where queens will, who don't know me, they'll read, that's not even a drag queen. She doesn't do drag makeup because they're, they're looking at RuPaul's Drag Race and they think that's what drag is supposed to be. But when I was in the 90s, the beauty of drag was that you could create whatever. However, there was ugly drag, gorgeous drag. It was whatever it wanted to be. And there were drag queens who were trans people as well. And that wasn't even an issue back then. That was just the way it was. In Tu Wong Fu, two of those girls in the beginning are, are, were living trans back then. And no one for a second, I, it was never even a question back then of what were trans girls doing in a drag you know, competition in a movie. It was exactly what it was. Drag was everything back then. Mm. Yeah, it is interesting how it's changed. I actually think John has a question about that. Yeah, so um, first off, thank you so much for being here, Coco. You have no idea um, every time I get a chance to talk to you how much I fangirl. So, <laughs> um, but the question that I did have that I think would be, you know, it ties right into this. How has this, like, how has the scope of media um, or the range of how you see things now currently, like with social media and how rapidly things change, how's that changed since you first kind of got on the scene? It's completely changed. I mean, even just from me um, advertising my show, like I said earlier, I was spray painting sidewalks and going out every single night, handing out postcards to my show and then hope and hoping to get reviewed in the major papers, which I did. And that would help as well. But who reads papers nowadays? Who you hand a kid a postcard, they wouldn't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, and then me doing the YouTube videos was supposed to be just a joke and then it actually turned into something. So now I have young people showing up at my show who are straight, who are sometimes coming with their parents, who are all, every expression you can think of uh, are showing up at my shows. And I think it's wonderful. Some people feel as though drag has suffered because of Drag Race. And um, I think with anything in life, you can find negative and positive. That's just the nature of being in this world. Um, and so I have just chosen to align myself with how it's moving forward and evolve. You know, and just at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what I think. I'm just grateful that I'm still working 30 years into a drag career, which mm -hmm. back when I started, people said, you're throwing away your theater degree. No one wants to hear a drag queen talk. Um, people were really concerned. People even said, don't even call yourself a drag queen back then because they thought, you know, drag, even in the gay community that drag was a a bad thing you know what that it would that would be the nail in the coffin of my career mm. but i wanted to change all of that and sounds you, like you did it you did huh. yeah I think, I think i had a part in it so it's you know along with everybody else you mentioned earlier yeah absolutely and um I just have to say, I think you're using the new form of media so brilliantly. All I want to do is to go to Target with you now because those visits to Target, 
were so hilarious. And I, it's, it's kind of what you have figured out, Coco, is what, what we all think anyway, what we're doing anyway. So when you would go to Target and pick up a product and kind of be like, what is this? And make fun of it a little bit. That's exactly what I'm doing with Christine on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> at the Target on Sepulveda in Culver City, you know? And so the relatable aspects of what you've created is really what makes you so successful. And regardless of the media, if I'm seeing you on a live show, if I'm seeing you on YouTube, I think you have figured it out. And it's mostly because you're so goddamn likable. It's just great. Um, I could talk to you for seven days and seven nights, but before I let you go, go, I do have to dig in a little bit to what you touched on earlier you are fiercely dedicated to AIDS-related charities. Um, and I, when I did a little research on you today, I saw that you were awarded the Los Angeles LGBT Center's Board of Directors Award. That's a big deal. Um, the very dreamy Zachary Kinto, I mean, Spock handed you that award. That's fabulous. Um, First, I just have to say thank you for your, for your dedication to it, Coco, because um, as a 46-year-old gay man, I grew up afraid of AIDS. I was you know, a teenager, and I was told every day, if you're gay, you're going to die of AIDS, and if you do this, you're going to die of AIDS, and you're going to die of AIDS, and also, did you hear the word AIDS? And it was terrifying. Um, when I got my first job working on a Broadway show, it was the tail end of it, and I saw a bunch of the most brilliant creators, directors, choreographers, producers um, that I grew up worshiping in Playbills, I saw them die. Um, so it, it very much lives with us um, gays who are maybe 35 and older. And what I wanted to ask you about was the work you're doing now, for me it's so important because we lived with it for decades. But I think young people have a little sense of invincibility, right? They have a little complacency around the virus. Maybe it's because we have PrEP now. Maybe it's because they're just young and dumb. Um, what can you say to the younger people that are listening to this podcast who need a reminder that it's still very much in the world, HIV, and it doesn't discriminate based on who you are. And there's still a lot of work to be done, and we have to be as fierce about HIV as we are about COVID these days. Yeah, well, I think I also experienced that terror that you were talking about. And, um, and even... Um, and I can look back on, you know, certain friends that passed away, and, and I live with um, a sort of guilt that I didn't even handle it all the way a good friend should handle a friend dying. But because there was so much fear wrapped up in that virus, um, you know, you just, you, you, you were surviving. And, but I, I lost my train of thought. But what I was going to say is I learned at 16 years old, I had a terrible accident. In, a, in my home, I fell through a glass shower door and I was home alone and I did die. Uh, and I obviously was brought back when they got me to the hospital. But um, I learned very early at an early age that bad things happen and they happen in 
a millisecond. Your life goes from being completely normal to just this, the most horrifying thing you can imagine. And so that's like in my DNA now. And um, I, I even did a monologue on my last show on the Casa Coco about, uh, and when I first told this story, my husband was like, you can't tell that story again, because he thought it would distance myself from the younger generation. But it was basically how I had a friend, we were in our 20s, he was dying, and he asked me to get him a meatball Parmesan hero. And I went out and bought it for him, and he died that night. And I lived thinking I killed my friend with the meatball Parmesan hero. And it's just, you know, it's hilarious and tragic. But I tell, the, I tell that story because I wanted young people to, to, to think about, like, oh, my God, I'm 27, 28 now. I can't imagine going through that, like losing people in their 20s. You know, it was so I, I like to remind people and, and this week I'm going to tell a story about an older man that I learned a great lesson from who was a part of Stonewall. And so I just think it's important that when I came out, there was no Internet. And if you were going to find your people, you had to go out and you know, go to bookstores and buy books about your gay history. And so I just feel like if there's any way that I can keep the history alive and keep it entertaining, then great. And, um, and if I can enroll young straight girls into learning about our history, even better. Like the more people that know our history, uh, the more value I think we have and the more people can learn from us. I agree, and and thank you for that. Some of my um, my personal gay heroes just took the time to be my fairy godmothers, if you will, yeah. and they brought me to Stonewall and they explained what Stonewall was, you know. And um, I had a friend who, um, one of my first professional jobs, who just said, "Oh, right now you're an insecure catty gay." When we're done with this show, I'm going to transform you into a proud gay. And I, I understood. <laughs> Coco, I know why you're laughing. I know you understand that exactly. You know, yeah. there's a, a maturity and there's a way to carry yourself. And I think the art of the oral history, passing it down, has really been lost. It's one of the things I worry about the most with the younger generations coming up. Yeah. Um, that's why I, I just, uh, it's my, the other reason I have an affinity for, for those of us that were around in the 90s, because that's something special that we all share. Okay, um, quickly before I let you go, your website is so amazing. It said, it lists all your accomplishments, and then at the end it says, and I'm available for children's parties. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is so great because a my favorite thing is when a library has drag queen story hour it's actually one of my favorite things but it's also really funny because I know how you know biting your humor can be I, I just think it's amazing the line from one of my shows where I sing this song called people suck and it's filled with cursing and how much I hate people and then when I finish singing it, I, I say, and by the way, I am available for children's parties. Oh, it's brilliant. So uh, you mentioned Casa Coco. Where can people find you in the next couple weeks? Uh, what are your uh, platforms? Wednesday, and um, I, I do Casa Coco 
live. And if people go to casacoco.live, they can reserve a free ticket. If not for that, share with the ones in the future. And they can find me at MissCocoPuru.com. And of course, I'm on all the social media, Instagram. You know, I'm not on TikTok yet, but who knows? Well, I think the president's taking that away from us anyway. So, <laughs> um, all right, Coco, you are absolutely the best. It's, it's, uh, I'm sorry if I'm gushing, but it is such a treat to get to talk to you. Well, thank um, you. I had a good time. And thank you, Jonathan, for, um, you know, texting me while I was trying to enjoy my Sunday off. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. I was, I was like, kidding. oh, no. You know why? I said yes right, right away. And well, when I knew you wouldn't be able to see me because I wasn't going to dress up and drag on my day mm-hmm. off. But okay. I had such a wonderful conversation with you on the phone, and you were so open and generous with me in that mm-hmm. conversation. So, um, you know, Jim, you, you have nice friends. Oh, if I, I... If I may say, Coco, it's been uh, a real eye-opener and a real pleasure uh listening to this interview and you're uh a definitely inspiration to uh even a straight white guy like myself oh, to to have uh, your you're turning me on so <laughs> right now. have your uh you know uh, this thing, the thing i've always um i've always loved about drag queens is they're they're just bold mm-hmm. you know they just seem to have no fear and uh it's uh, it's a it's a quality that m- most people don't have, and so thanks for being an inspiration, and I'm I'm really appreciative. I, I feel like we're we're akin to like prostitutes. When my brother was a cop, <laughs> no seriously, when my brother was a cop, and they would have to arrest uh, women for prostitution, you know the Johns and the the guys that were the um, that organized that whole ring of prostitution. Mm-hmm. They would cry when they got arrested, and these these prostitutes would walk in proud yeah. and own it. And I just feel like, you know, that's kind of the way we, I have always viewed drag. It's like, hey, listen, people are going to call me a sissy and all these other names back mm-hmm. in the day. I might as well just get to a place in my life where I own it and celebrate it. And and I say, if you you really think I'm that queer, wait, I'm going to show you just how much of a man. Well, it's a very sexy and attractive quality in a human being, no matter no matter who you are. Just to own who you are and and not have any apologies for it. That's great, Scott. Thank you. Congratulations and thanks for the lesson. (laughs) Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Coco. Have a love wonderful you, evening. We love you. And uh, Christine, I'm sorry we didn't get to talk, but um, I love your wallpaper. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, tell, well. Tell Coco quickly what that is behind you. because it's Yeah, amazing. it's actually painted. It's, it was just a stencil. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You did that? I did, yeah. Oh, Christine, that's incredible. Gorgeous. She's in Hollywood if you need her to pop over, Coco, and do a oh, wall. I should keep that in mind, yeah. <laughs> you can give me bangs and I'll do your wall. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, well, thank all. Thank you. Thank we you. Very thank you. Bye. Thank you. Have we a lovely you. evening. Bye-bye. Right, bye. bye. And we will be back right after these words from our sponsors.
Okay, so this week, Christine and Scott are doing the commercial. And I can't wait to see if they screw it up. Here they go. They're going to go now. Here they go. Okay. Scott, did you know that Jim Lanahan and Friends podcast is sponsored by Jim Lanahan on Cameo? Way. I love Cameo. That's right. If you go to Cameo and search for Jim Lanahan, you can order a personalized message from Jim Lanahan, and all proceeds go directly back to supporting this podcast. That helps us keep the podcast for fun and for free. Oh, wow. I love free things. I mean, I guess people could simply Venmo us cash money, but isn't it more fun to have Jim Lanahan send a message to your ex-fiance wishing him a happy anniversary and reminding him how awful his life is with his new hag wife? Way more fun and passive-aggressive, which is just my style. Girl, I know how you do. Also, every cameo order not only includes a personalized video from Jim Lanahan, but also grants you admission to our live studio audience. You get to watch us record this podcast and see all the content that doesn't make it into the final version. That makes you a Jim Lanahan and friend with benefits. Yummy. Go to Cameo.com today and search for Jim Lanahan to get your personalized message and support this podcast. That's Cameo.com. Why? (laughs) (laughs) That's Cameo.com. Search for Jim Lanahan. I'm searching already. (laughs) It's like I tripped at the finish line. you guys welcome back from the break how great is coco peru how much do we love her love her yeah john thanks again for for pulling a connection for us and i I just have to say i thought it was especially um fitting that our white straight guy thought that she was inspirational because i really did yeah i I think that's the message of of this show most often. I hope we just find a little happy and a little inspiration for people. And Coco Peru, who would think that 30 years later in her career, she'd still be making us laugh and making us feel mm-hmm. good and making us inspired and uh, what a gift. And uh, please everybody go sponsor Coco Peru on Instagram. And she said her show was for free this week and Bianca Del Rio's on the show. So go get a ticket to that. That's amazing. Um, okay, so now that we're back, we're going to jump right into the basic bitch report with Christine Sinecore. I'm a basic bitch. I'm a basic bitch. Every day I walk this way, sipping pumpkin spice latte. I'm a basic bitch. I'm a basic bitch. Every day I walk this way, sipping pumpkin spice latte. Take us through it, B. Well, guys, ladies, I'd love to talk this week about body positivity because it has been coming up a lot 
on uh, social media for me. I want to preface all of this by saying I couldn't be in more support of it. I love that all body types and sizes are now in mannequin forms. You're seeing it all over. I love the whole health at every size movement. I want to say I'm on board before I have this conversation. But what it's actually bringing up for me personally is I almost feel like I'm like failing at being a fat person now. Like, like there's this pressure, like not only that now I have to, you know, deal with what comes along with being fat in society, but now I'm supposed to feel really great about it when I don't always. And so I feel like it's just seems like I'm getting something else wrong. So I just wanted to have a little chat about that and see if anyone else of size, I'm not saying anyone else here is of Did size, she just call me fat? but well, according to the mattress company, we're all of size. <laughs> yeah. We, Scott hey. was served the ad for big Fig mattress this week. So guess what? <laughs> so fat. now it's your turn. <laughs> but you know, I do hear you. Um, somebody who is a friend of this show and she will be on eventually. Her name's Kathy Deitch. She's based in Hollywood. She talks a lot about this and she takes all of the rules about being fat and throws them out the window. And I love that. But something she also said to me was, now there's a lot of pressure because suddenly as a fat girl, I have to go work out all the time. Wasn't it easier when fat people weren't supposed to work out because they're fat, you know, and now I have to like step up and do this and that. And so I hear you, the, the, the rules of the game have changed because mm -hmm. suddenly there's this, it's almost like everybody, it's not equitable. Everybody is just treated equally. And we're not equal. We're not all the same body. We don't have the same capabilities. So, yeah. And there's that fine line too of like, yes, I love myself. I do love my body, but I also do want to change it. Mm -hmm. And so I almost feel like that I'm being a little bit shamed and wanting to do I don't think that has to be shame, though. I think that, you know, if it, it kind of goes back to what Coco was telling us about, you know, what we were talking about Coco, where, you know, she's so self-confident in who she is, you know, that uh, no matter who you are or what you want to do with your body, you just have to have that confidence and say, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be. And I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I... I Christine, I really think I get what you're saying because I think I'm kind of going through that now where it's like how much of my weight loss journey do I share because I'm supposed to be happy about being fat. Like it's, you could say like, no, like it's, it's, it's a very, it's a double-edged sword, right? So you're, you're joyful and you love your body size, but then you say, well, I want to change it. And people are going, well, you love, you're supposed to love your body. So why would you want So it's just weird. It's a really yeah. weird intersection like i hear scott i hear what you're saying but i also hear what you're saying christine on both ends mm. it's just a really odd place so to you guys in. identify like it's it's almost like an identification of who you are like uh, i'm a bigger person and i'm okay with that but if you decide that you want to lose weight then you feel pressure from people saying well why do you want to lose weight if you're so confident in who you are yeah right. cause I is that what like, i'm getting i feel mm -hmm. like growing up the message was always like, you're fat, you shouldn't be fat, you need to lose weight. Like, we shouldn't glorify obesity. And now it's sort of swung the other way, which I think is great. Nobody should be shamed for their body. 
it's almost like if you want to lose weight or if you're not happy with your size, now it's almost like being like, no, you need to love yourself. Don't don't listen to what society says, what other people says, and it's like you know, no, it's just also, you, you, you everyone has an opinion. You can't as my win. grandfather would say, you can't win for losing. <laughs> nope, you really can't. You know, it's like just do what you want and don't give a fuck what anybody says. I think that's, that's the most important thing. <laughs> you know, Christine, as one of your closest and dearest friends now for nine hundred and two years, you can just tell me what you want today. By the way. John is still eating that. <laughs> John, we can see you, John. What, what's funny about this podcast is that unless people join the Friends with Benefits Club, they're not watching us. They're but not, missing we this. can see John, just so for everybody who's listening at home, John has taken his camera off and now he is eating that candy stick. Oh my God. Like a little tiny piece of corn on the like hob that he's like so hot really but so good <laughs> is this are you in your window right now john is that what's happening like oh we're gonna have to get there on a different day i had to get that <laughs> shit out because i was right so random tangent talking about fat people shit i was doing the, i was doing the interval stuff and went running and almost died because of the heat and how hungry i was <laughs> And I got home and my husband was like, um, you don't look well. And I was like, because I'm not. So I'm about to give up the whole interval thing. I just exercise yeah. now. And I said, that shit has to go to hell because I'm too hungry. I can't oh do it. Oh my God, Lynette Romero killed Dr. John. He tried to. <laughs> it's shit, it's oh awful. Being fat and hungry is the worst. <laughs> and yeah. I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. Can't. So I'm just good. gonna have to be big forever. Oh my god, I'm a two-year-old. Well, um, <laughs> so, Christine, what I was saying was, if you 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 just wake up in the morning and tell me what you want for me as your friend, I can be your friend who's supportive because you're big, or I can be your friend who shames you because you're big. I can be whatever. <laughs> no, well, do you want me to call you fat? What do you want from me today? <laughs> I can either love your boobs. I can tell you they're <laughs> voluptuous and gorgeous, or I can call them dirty, dirty fat sacks. Like whatever you want from me. Jim, I'm here you're for such you. a giving, giving yeah. person. It's really oh, lovely. You're so lovely. <laughs> so lovely. Why don't you have another bite of that fruit thing? <laughs> Listen, just, you know, just, Christine uh, and I have a love language and it's based in honesty. <laughs> <laughs> you fat sack yeah fat sacks yeah fat sacks. my grinder name for a minute i you know i feel uh i need to lose about i i need to lose 30 pounds and I, i'm starting back in into the my garage gym which i know that uh dr john finds tacky but i do have a gym in my garage <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going back to that tomorrow, and my goal is to get back to uh, get down 30 pounds by the end of the year. So that's uh, and we'll that, and I'm only stuff. bringing that up, Christine, is because <clears throat> my whole life I was about I ranged between like 175 and 185 somewhere around yeah, me there. Too. Me too. After <laughs> and after the can. <laughs> And after the cancer, I put on a lot of weight from the... Christine! Christine. I thought you were going to say the candy, Scott. After I really candy. thought you were like, after, you like candy. After, the, after the candy. After Halloween, I put on a lot of weight. I was weight. like, no. God damn, how much 
much heavier you were being. <laughs> no, but uh, it's time and like nothing fits and I just don't feel myself. And I think that's yeah. the most important That's why thing. I did it. You yeah. need to feel yourself. Like you need, there is something about you that you, you'll get to a point where you're like, this is me. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. And right now that's where I need to get to back to. And uh, it's hard, but you know, I yeah, think I, I think we all have a feeling by of saying this how, though, how happy we are. What? I will counter you by saying this though. I have been fat since I'm five. So I don't have a sense of this is me. I only have a sense of doctors telling me that I'm fat and unhealthy since I'm five. Right. So it's a very tricky conversation. Like, and it's hard. Right. Um, John's waving his hand in recognition. And uh-huh. as he's eating his fruit cup. <laughs> yeah. So it is a tricky. So you've, your whole life, John, Jimmy, somebody has said to you, you're too fat. Mm-hmm. You need to lose weight. Your whole yeah, life. And the irony is, because I've known Christine since I'm five. The irony is right. if, when I look back at us in our high school and college days, I would kill to have that body. But right. at the moment, everyone treated me like I was the fat kid. And I was also yep. always the tall kid. And I was also mm. the gay kid. And oh, just heap it on Jimmy Lanahan. So yeah. Yeah. Um, ironically- I mean, they made you the elephant in the school play. That was- Come on, stop reading crap. It's horrible. I know, honestly, like if anybody- Triggered. Christine, and if Christine wants to talk about weight issues, you were the bareback rider. <laughs> you had the world at your fingertips. <laughs> I told you I peaked in in kindergarten. I wasn't lying. That was was my heyday. I want to get back to that body. Mm. We could talk about this for 29 years. Wait, wait. You know what, Jimmy? But I'm really proud of you too because um, what you've done with your sugars and your new your new doctor is and the the pain that you've gone through with that new medication, also extremely inspiring. So good for you, man. I'm proud of you. God, thank you so much. We thank are you. trying to get hey, perfect. Let me ask you something. Do you think we'll ever meet the insurance lady on this podcast? Oh, um, possibly. Uh, right now, the not right now. She's on the podcast, but uh, the insurance lady, she could possibly come do that. You Is guys, it? I'm not kidding you because I used to work with Christine. Christine has met Jody and knows her very well. No, yeah, Jody set up my my uh, not Cobra coverage, my covered California. She's my oh. agent. You know what we got? Oh do? my God, Christine, that is that is we my have favorite. to get Jody on the podcast. Oh she my needs God. to be on the podcast. <laughs> So for people, um, for people that are not Jim Lanahan followers on Instagram, and first I want to say, how dare you? <laughs> um, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I have a uh, character, if you will, that I do named Jody the Insurance Lady. She's my favorite. But She's my Jody favorite. is a real person. Like um, she was our insurance broker at my day job. She is amazing. She she's a little flirty. She's sassy. She's no nonsense. She's ninety. She's a poly blend. She's a mullet haircut. She's big glasses, and she also on the last phone call, told me about a female partner and now I'm in a full tailspin. I'm like, are you in a three-way marriage? Are you a lesbian? I thought there was a husband. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it was just a business partner. No, it's gonna have been like, I don't know. I don't know who to do. <laughs> I thought she had a husband. I thought, she husband. I thought she had a husband too, but anyway. Stan, right? Stan? Have, um, it's well, not Stan, his real name. I made up Stan. It's not his name. <laughs> yeah, I, I made that up. Um, but I thought she had a husband. She actually lives over by you, Scott. She lives. Oh, really? Yeah. Where? She, do you have you know, the address? She lives in Burbank. 
So <laughs> I will totally go stalk her <laughs> if you give me the address. Scott, it would be really nice to meet you, Scott. <laughs> and uh, Scott, while you're here, do you have a moment? I don't know if you hear. It's like the Indianapolis Speedway. Yeah, I heard that. It yeah. really does sound that way. Good Lord. Um, Scott, if you have a free moment, I'd like to talk to you about some benefit options. <laughs> a young, strapping man like yourself should still be thinking about long-term care insurance. Yes, I, I agree, Jody. I, you know, I'm having trouble. out in that gym. I mean, that's just an accident waiting to happen oh and you know what i'll come over and um i'll help you with your workout scott would you like somebody to spot all that gymnast in you <laughs> see that's the gift of her because she always turns it a little sexy and you're like i'm interested in insurance but why do i feel like I look at my dick right now like, very confusing. okay listen um oh, God. On, that, on that note we will have we'll have jody on the show and I'm a basic bitch. I'm a basic bitch. Every day I walk this way, sipping pumpkin spice latte. I'm a basic bitch. I'm a basic bitch. Every day I walk this way, sipping pumpkin spice latte. Okay, now let's go into a new segment called No Bad News with Dr. John. Um, John... I have some difficult news. Okay, I guess it can wait. <laughs> Jack's new theme song. <laughs> I live. It includes for that. me doing bookend bumpers. I mean, because I, I, I guess it can wait if you don't want bad news. Anyway, John, tell us what tell us what no bad news segment is, and give us some news. So you know, I am very goofy in a lot of ways, and I spend a lot of time on social media. And there are just these random stories that sometimes come across my timeline, and I have no one to talk to about them. So I said. Why not create a new segment where I talk about all of the random shit that I see come across my timeline? And so to this week specifically, there was a story I shared last week. Um, you all, for, for the listeners, you, you don't know about this story. There was a man who shot a pigeon for stealing his funnel cake. Um, and I thought that story was quite funny. <laughs> However, this week there is a story about a Chinese, as we're talking about fat people, a Chinese man saved himself from falling down a well because he was too fat to fit down the well. <laughs> and so rescuers credited his size for being the one thing that saved him. Um, and so I just want to share a big part of the story, no pun intended about the big, um, but there is a line in the story that says, luckily he's got guts and overweight. No, no, they did not say that. <laughs> so I just share a clip of the story. It says an overweight Chinese man found his big belly to be a lifesaver after he got wedged in a well and stopped himself from falling 10 feet, according to officials. Um, yeah, so that's all I've got really oh for this segment. God. And I just wanted to share that there's a lot of crazy news out there. And um, yeah, between um, 
the mattress calling us fat and um and and the world making fun of us for wanting to exercise at least we all know that our size can sometimes be the one saving grace (laughs) i mean i want to say this i was craving authentic chinese food i flew over and i found myself near a well i looked down the well and my <laughs> extended tummy area kept me from falling in. Whatever. I didn't realize it was going to make John's timeline. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that all I can think really of is funny. that is that uh, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, uh, Augustus yes. Gloob, where he gets yeah. St- yeah. stuck yeah. in the tube. Do you want to know the other thing that makes me laugh is when people have that. Um, dog door in their back door oh yeah and the dog is too Can't fat to get it. through yeah. it and sometimes it's a cat too and they're just like they just get as far as they can go and then they just stop and they just look at the owner like are you gonna help me here <laughs> so, i'm looking forward to the story and i'm trying not to laugh because you know my laugh is so loud but i'm laughing because there's a picture of the man in the well no, that was my next question that was my next question. Yeah. His arms are folded and he's waiting patiently to be safe. So he's just like on the top yes. of the well. He didn't really he, fall down at all. No, he's, just stuck, he's there. stuck in the well. He is literally, I just, just like over. anytime, guys. Anybody got any butter? Yes. <laughs> he is literally stuck in the well. Love so handles. that's all I have for this week in terms you know, of oh John, you remind me when I was growing up, being the big kid in my class. I remember asking my mom, like, mom, um, we have a new wood stove. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, that means our chimney is skinnier. Is Santa going to get stuck? And John just <laughs> took another bite of that candy. John he just took not. another bite of no, that candy. Didn't. John, we can see you. And just so everyone at home knows, he's nibbling on it like a corn on the cob situation. <laughs> John, John, you're going to have acid devil diarrhea squirts yeah, in yeah, about 22 minutes. Explode. It's going to be terrible. And, I haven't and, had you, and we all know from, from experience that John has like food being delivered any minute because we know yes. the Sunday routine. We know so you, how it works. 90 yeah, days beyond I have cooking today. Oh. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Cool. yeah. I hope there's no spice and no butter because someone has set themselves up for disaster. <laughs> Don't forget the nub at the end of the straw. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I'm, I'm just. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that, incl- that is the wrap up of the first ever No Bad News with Dr. John. Um, John, I have some difficult news. Don't, don't you ever bring me? Bring me, bring me, bring me, bring me, bring me. Okay, I guess it can wait. Makes me giggle. All right, and now a new segment with Scott, simply called Let's Go to the Movies. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all. All right, Scott, take us to the movies. I was uh, I was in full uh, in full research mode uh, 
for our guest, Jennifer Holiday. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I, I watched the movie Dream Girls last night for the first time ever. Okay. And uh, I got to tell you, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, there were a couple of, uh, you know, I'm not going to get too into the technical thing. I took, you and I were both minors in, uh, in theater at Siena. And I don't know if you took Peter Haley's intro to uh, musical theater class. Did you uh, ever take that class? I took intro. I took opera one. I took opera two. I was, right. was Miss Haley's favorite student. Peter Haley was my fave. He really was. Yeah, he used to come into the... Anyway, he, remember we used to say, get off my runway. That, yeah. was, that was his big thing. Anyway, so I followed, you know, I, followed, I tried to see if all the rules were uh, in, in the movie. You know, the, the love triangle, the death of a major character, all of that stuff was all in there. But here's the problem I had with the movie. I really didn't know, and this might be different with the with the Broadway play, but I really didn't know whose story it was. Does that make sense? I didn't know if it was Beyonce's story or if it was Jennifer Hudson's story or if it was um, Jamie Foxx's story. Like, it seemed it, it's it seemed a little all time hollywood ruins musicals you, hollywood okay. ruins everything because okay. Okay. in the original right. 100% jennifer's story uh effie melody right story yes. and yeah. yes but you know when you cast beyonce because you think jennifer hudson's not enough to sell a movies and you add a song in for and beyonce, then she wins a fucking oscar yeah of course know, jen but, won the oscar but yeah. Beyonce got nothing because nothing. she deserved nothing because it's not her story no. and you know the the song listen that's not in dream girls they added that only for beyonce in the movie mm-hmm. it seemed to be honest it seemed out of place of course. Like of it course. didn't it didn't seem to Now, let's talk about Eddie Murphy though. Mm-hmm. I thought Eddie did an exceptional job in the movie. I thought, I thought he so was too. exceptional. Yeah. But again, it's not really his story. You know, no. it's mm-hmm. it's Jennifer Hudson's story, but I have done a lot of research and you know, these are things we won't talk about with Jennifer because the other thing I hate about that movie, and by the way, I love that movie because at the end of the day, it's still Dream Girls. It came out right, on Christmas right. Day and I saw it on Christmas Day. I was like, well, family, thanks for everything. I have to go see Dream Girls, you know. <laughs> um, but the reason 910 I have issue with that movie is because Loretta Devine, who played Laurel on Broadway, makes a cameo in that movie. But you know who made a cameo in that movie? No other original cast member except for one dude, Ken Page. And it's like, what? Why isn't Jennifer Holiday? Sorry, once again, I apparently live near, I live near hospitals and speedways. There's so much background noise. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Why isn't Jennifer Holiday in that movie? Why isn't Shirley Ralph in that movie? You know what would have satisfied me as a Dream Girls Broadway fan? Just seeing the three of them at a table in the club mm-hmm. at the top of the movie. Boom. 
boom, boom, boom. Show me them at the fucking table in the front row, right? I don't yeah. understand. There were so many choices. Well, that that's the had. problem I had with the, the, the movie itself because it felt like it was Effie's story. But, and here's the thing, like, okay, I'm just going to go with the movie. Like, um, Jamie Foxx is in love with Effie to begin with, right? And then all of a sudden, he falls in love with Beyonce. But, you, but they never show that. Like, there's never any kind of romance. Can I ask or there's you a never... question? Can I ask yeah. you a question? Yeah. True or false? Effie, Jennifer Hudson, Effie yeah. is pregnant in the movie at one point. True or false? I can't. Well, she said she was saying. They ruined the musical! <laughs> I mean, the, he was at the doctor and she said she came back and she said she wasn't feeling well. And then they say, well, you've been replaced. And then she sings that song, which, by the way, Jennifer Holliday just sings so much better than Jennifer Hudson. Yeah. And that's nothing against Jennifer Hudson, because I think she has a tremendous talent. Yeah. But I didn't know if she was pregnant or not. To be honest, I didn't know. I had I had an inkling that she was, but no idea from from the from the movie yeah a lot of the nuance and a lot of the subtext that uh and it should have been effie's movie and it wasn't and and beyond and that whole like the whole thing of like him jamie fox switching from effie to beyonce romantically and then beyonce being fine with it like just not she was just like okay so bye i've only known you my whole life you know i'm gonna was she fine with it or did she have a breakdown later during listen when she sang listen? Yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't pay off for me. I mean, wow. I when, understand. You're, when you fuck your best friend's boyfriend slash husband, whatever he was, and then you're just like, eh, I'm just going to sing a Effie, song. we all got pain. You know? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Effie, we all got pain. And um, from what my friends have told me, uh, Christine and I have a friend who has, done some time with Jamie Foxx. So Effie, we all got Jamie Foxx if we want to. That's some hot dish right there if you want some hot sauce. <laughs> um, okay. Um, also, just so everyone knows, John continues to shove that candy in his mouth as <laughs> he though he is... Putting, he turns his camera off. <laughs> yeah. John, we know that when you turn your camera off, you're like literally, you're like an Ethiopian child on feed day. Yeah. It's falling out of the sky in a parachute. You can't get to it have, quick enough. I have one more thing to say um, <laughs> for for the movie, and then I'll let it go. But to be honest, <laughs> I don't think Beyonce is that good of an actress. <laughs> She's not. I have, I have never seen her in something where I've been like, wow, that you was mean, really impressive. She didn't win you over when she played Foxy Cleopatra. <laughs> no. She, she didn't Leave win you over. Alone. When she was beating the crap out of that woman in that attic and that other movie, what was that movie called? <laughs> Enough, I think, or something. No, Enough was the terrible movie J Lo was in. She yeah. was in a movie. Um, Allie Larder, right? Was the blonde girl? It was terrible. It yeah, was horrible. Yeah, she needs I, to. She needs to stay out of films and just. I will keep say though, no, I do. I love Beyonce no. enough though, where I will continue to see her in movies. I, but I agree right. that she's, you know. 
Meryl, we can't all be Meryl. That's all I'll say. Hey, we look, all can't she's be not easy. She can't carry Meryl's shoes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, can't, we all be can't be Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the movie review. Enjoy. I give it. I I, I out of um. I don't know. Out of I don't want to say. In stars. terms of Rick James, how many hands do you give it? <laughs> In terms of Rick James, I give it two hands. Two hands. It, okay. It was confusing. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyway, I. That's it. That was suitably heterosexual of you. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all... Okay, guys. uh, Now here's our weekly commitment to taking a moment to celebrate the good stuff in life. I think you might remember that last week I was having a stressful week. I was having a sad week. I was having a hard time shaking it. And I know that some of my friends are having a rough week this week. And um, I, I just wanted to mention that I did something really nice for myself last week. I haven't talked about it on the podcast, but I got certified as a life coach. It was something I've been meaning to do for about a decade now, and I never made the time for it, but I did it last week and it made me feel really good to do something for myself. And it helped to break the cycle of pandemic stagnancy that we're all feeling, that slump that we all feel like we're in. And it gave me a real sense of efficacy and it gave me some hope. And I've really been missing hope. I've been missing the feeling that there's a potential for me out there and there's there's a future path forward and so i I really loved it and i wanted to mention that um so that y'all can start thinking about ways to take your step forward and give yourself a sense of hope because right now that's the easiest cheapest thing we can all do for ourselves is to give ourselves a path forward and remind ourselves of who we are um I found this interesting article online this week that helped me readjust and refocus. It was an article about a company called One Poll. One Poll conducted a survey and they found that 83% of respondents agreed that it's the little things in their day that bring them the most joy. And that is up from 72% just six months ago because the little things have become more important to us as we go through this pandemic and spend more time at home with our loved ones. The surveyor said, quote, we've seen the joy that comes from the indulgences and celebrating the small moments in life. It is so critical when it comes to navigating stressful times. So I thought I would share with you the top 10 indulgences and the top 10 moments of joy that people who responded to the survey said they love. Because for me, they were things that I'm not even acknowledging in my day. They seemed too simple. They seemed too ordinary. But to 40% of the respondents, seeing a loved one after being apart for a while was really important. I get that one. Number two, sleeping in a freshly made bed. Number three, feeling the sun on my face. Number four, getting something for free. 
Number five, having time to myself. Number six, hugging a loved one. Seven, finding money I didn't know I had. Number eight, the first sip of coffee in the morning. I'd know nothing about coffee. I don't drink it. Number nine, the clean feeling after a shower. That's because we're all disgusting at home during pandemic. Number 10, receiving an I've been thinking about you text. That's amazing. Uh, And number 11, I added this one myself. Having a drag queen tell me it burns Gabriel in the bathroom of a gay club in Manhattan. That's an inside joke for Coco Peru fans. So co-host, I wanted to ask you, seeing this list, I mean, some of this stuff is so just day-to-day stuff, right? So what are the little things that you have taken stock in that have helped you refocus and push forward because it gives you just a little ounce of joy? Are you going to go around the rooms or do you? Well, I'll play teacher. Um, okay. Pulling out my ruler. Miss Cinecore, care to share with the class? I'd love to. Uh, I think for me, I'm not, I'm not to like the hope level yet. Like I still feel like I'm like in the hole. I know there's a ladder. I just can't see it yet. So I'm kind of feeling around for the ladder. So for me, it's just been finding things that, that I forgot used to bring me joy. And so for me, two of the big ones have been, um, I started singing again cause I haven't done that in a really long time nice. and started watching, uh, old like movies that i used to love like today i watched grease 2 which mm. fight me that is one of the best movies ever made i love that Agreed. movie so much Agreed. Um, so yeah just that stuff that like i remember when i was little just brought me so much joy and i would like i knew all the words and i knew all the dance moves so just just been trying to bring back the old school old school joy joy buttons i love that yeah how about you dr john So uh, a couple of, uh, I think several things. I actually posted about this a little bit earlier. Um, So the first thing I think has been really balancing me is just finding moments to really just sit with my partner and be in their company. Um, Not being on the phone, like really genuinely being in my partner's company has really been something that has been holding me in these last couple of months. Um, And and it's fun. Like we've, we've, we've started watching shows together. Uh, We've been, we've gone through the entire amazing race. We've gone down the amazing race hole. Um, And we're now, we, there's 29 episodes that are on Hulu. We've already watched maybe like five or six of them. So it's been really fun to connect with him over that. I think the other thing for me, though, has been getting, I, I've always loved to run. A lot of people don't know that about me, that when I was in high school, I was a, um, I was on cross country. Um, and so running for me has always been kind of like a really fun, um, easy breezy thing. And it really just made me feel like I can connect to myself. And I think that that's been the thing the last couple of weeks that have been holding me is giving myself that hour a day to just be with myself um, and to be just kind of out and not necessarily near a computer, having to worry about something to do, just being in my own head in a good way for an hour while I'm taking care of myself. So that's my thing. Mm, I love that. Scott Sheldon. Uh, well, uh, there are a couple of things that have really, <clears throat> since I've been working from home, that have really brought me great joy. And, and, and 
I get up earlier than everybody else, obviously. I'm kind of an early riser. And um, every morning I make um, Marsha uh, her tea and put it on a tray and I bring it up to her in bed. And um, that's like one of the highlights of my morning because, uh, you know, she wakes up and she smiles and we kiss and it's just a great way to start the morning. And I, I, I was unable to do that working from an office. So, Stephanie, what are the little things that are pulling you through these crazy pandemic times? Um, well, I would definitely say I really look forward to our Sunday sessions here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really, it really is nice to see people. Um, I've been really lucky that my, one of my best friends lives down the street and one of the other ones doesn't live too far. So I can give in my pod. Um, I really miss my mom. And so, um, she's like 3000 miles away. And, um, but at least I have my like little dog that I get to hug and Billy. Billy. And I like exploring my neighborhood with music that lifts my spirit. So when we go out for a walk, like it was nice to listen to Jennifer holiday saying recently. And then that got me into like Bonda Shepherd because I was watching her episodes of Alan McBeal and um, just different music that really brings me joy, like the original cast albums to Rent and Dream Girls and wow. the yeah. chorus line. But yeah, I'm really struggling, you know, because I, I do miss my, my, my mom a lot. By the way, everybody, Billy was featured on the local news yesterday. I saw that. That was pretty exciting. I'm so proud. He's famous. Yeah. I'm so proud. I'm like, mm. and um, I asked my friend Kyle, I was like, do you want to represent him? He's like, no kids, no animals. Yeah, well, I don't blame Kyle, but, <laughs> but that has nothing to do with Billy. Um, yeah, it was really nice. We, I want to thank Lynette and Lynette Romero. When, when do the rest of us get to be on KTLA? I'm just, you know, to right, be well, honest, that you're is- a little jealous. Remember, everybody, we want to hear from you. As always, please send us your good news stories. We want to celebrate with you. So tell us what's happening in your life this week. What are the good things that you can tell us about? Did somebody get engaged? Did somebody's foster kids turn into adopted kids? Um, Did you get a new job this week? I want to hear it. We want to talk about you. You can email me through the website, jimlanahan.com, or you can send us DMs at the Jim Lanahan and Friends podcast page on the Instagram. All right, now let's wrap it up and tell everybody where they can find us on the socials. Christine Cinecore can be found at C Cinecore on Twitter and Facebook. And you know how she spells that? C-S-I-N-A-C-O-R-E, C Cinecore. Instagram is Christine Cinecore. And also, put some ball fringe on it. And the website is www.christinecinecourt.com. Dr. John Paul can be found at Dr. John Paul on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And his website is drjohnpaul.com. And tonight you can find him at the emergency room having his colon cleared of that disgusting devil candy that Stephanie made us eat. I don't know where it came from, but literally he's at this moment. He Mexico! Is, he finished it. He Mexico finished it. is where it's it came empty. from. 
No, I'm gonna tell you right now, that straw still has remnants on it. He's gonna suck that clean like a like the last bone at a barbecue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stephanie can be found at Chicky Laugh on Twitter and Instagram. Scott can be found at Scotty Sheldon on Twitter and Facebook. Instagram Scott A. Sheldon or Scotty Sheldon the Actor. And his website is scottysheldon.com. Uh, my name is Jim Lanahan. I am at Jim Lanahan on Instagram. I am Jim Lanahan on Facebook. Website jimlanahan.com. Remember that we're on Cameo. That's how you can support this page. Sorry, you can support this podcast. <laughs> and uh, every time you buy a Cameo, it's 10 bucks. The proceeds go directly to supporting this podcast, which is great. Um, and the other way you can support us is to remember to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. If you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe it. Christine's eating the candy now and I'm worried about her colon health. <laughs> yeah. Look at Christine. It's Christine is one part joy, one part terror right now on what's <laughs> going to happen in 20 minutes. <laughs> and the final thing I want to tell everybody before we go is that the podcast group on Facebook is Jim Lanahan and friends podcast podcast group that's long but if you type in jim lanahan and friends podcast group it takes you to a group where you can talk about the podcast with other listeners you can meet other listeners and that's where the sense of community will start right there on facebook all right you guys um i'm about to have explosive diarrhea devil candy situation so i've got to go and christine you okay you look nervous <laughs> I feel like this would be really good as like a filling on a Fig Newton type product. Like, like wrap some baked good around this. You know, the yummy, yummy section was hours ago. So let's just move on, shall we? It is true. I mean, if you wanted a Fig Newton to give you massive diarrhea, yes, that would be delicious. <laughs> All right, you guys have a great week. We'll see you next Monday. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Jordan and Cheryl. It's my favorite. <laughs>